Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, week 103 of the dumbest project on all of internet. Um, I titled this week in my notes, The Big Flake. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Probably a reference to TNG, but maybe you noticed some dandruff in one of the other episodes that I didn't <laughs> see. We'll see. Yep. Um, boy, hmm. Where do you want to start with this crop? Well, I think we should probably stick to the format and talk about the episode of the series that performed worst last week. In this case, it's Deep Space Nine. Mm. This week we watched Let He Who Is Without Sin. You love what veins, you love hard grain, the heaviest weight, the clumsiest shape. Um, Molina? Uh, no, that's Ockerville River, but in that particular arrangement, I could see how you would think. I think Jason Molina, I don't want to start a big (laughs) internet feud. I think Jason Molina is a slightly better singer than Will Schaff of Ockerville River. I thought maybe it was just maybe one I hadn't heard. But um, I don't. It's because I have. Uh, it could be because you really only dove into Magnolia Electric Company. Yes. Right. So you didn't get into any of songs Ohia or anything. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot. Oh God. Uh, no. Let's talk about something else for an hour, so I don't have to talk about this DS9. Actually, <laughs> let's just keep talking about <laughs> cool tunes and stuff. Huh? Maybe. Exactly. I saw the episode of Family Matters yesterday where Myrtle Urkel was introduced. We could talk about that if you want. <laughs> All right. How much did everybody else spike the lens and roll their eyes when she came in? No, I'm telling you, it's uh, now after seeing the first season and a half, I totally understand why they just gave him the keys to the whole show. He's <laughs> an extremely gifted physical comedian, and uh-huh. no one else on the cast is terribly gifted at anything. So he does some stunts where he like kicks over some buckets and falls over that look very real <laughs> and always get a good laugh out of me. All right, fine. I'll do it. Romance is in the air. Yeah. Morn brings a flower to an old white lady. Yeah. Oh. Some old crewman. Odo remarks that O'Brien's planning to name his kid Swamp Boy. And then everyone talks out loud with Dax about how dangerous fucking Worf is. I mean, having sex with Worf. Not not fucking Worf. Um, Dex, uh, Dex says they're gonna go to Risa for shore leave. And she and Worf argue about some personal shit in front of everybody. Yeah. I hated it. Well, the and the argument is about her airing personal shit in front of everybody. Yes, that's right. 
That's specifically what he's not happy about. Um, <clears throat> can we do more? He pref- can I just let's just set the stage for this episode. He prefers Klingon beliefs, mm-hmm. as always. That's something that I've said about a hundred times in the last year. Can we do more War as Hell stuff yet? Can we get back to that? I I swear to God, from Let He Who Is Without Sin, I was sure this would be a War as Hell story. Yeah, it's not. Bashir and Lita show up. They say they're going to tag along to Risa. Because they remember they're dating. I know it's hard to remember. Um, Actually, don't worry about remembering it. That's true. We'll find out in this episode. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, Worf keeps saying he and Dax have much to discuss. I think he's going to try to make her say the oath because that went so well the last time. Then at the airlock, Quark says he's coming along too. So I guess the stakes this week are that Worf is grumpy. Credits. (laughs) Uh, Sad, scary music plays as Lita serves drinks on the runabout. Quark gives everyone a horgon. Worf is still grumpy. Uh, they get to Risa, everybody heads their separate ways, Dax shows off her sexy one piece, and Worf starts to cheer up, maybe. Until one second later, when Dax runs into an old friend, Arandis, uh, a lady who used to bone Curzon. She, <laughs> oh, she boned him at least once. <laughs> she, she, in fact, says that Curzon died fucking her. Yeah. Uh, Worf tells this lady to hit the bricks, and that makes Dax pretty mad. Hey, in that scene, one of the real early scenes, maybe even in the pilot, when we see Curzon being transferred to Jadzia, was that on Risa? (laughs) We see the Dax symbiote being transferred to her? It does seem like when a Dax, or when a Trill dies, it's a big emergency and they have to transfer that shit like ASAP. So maybe it just took place right there on Risa, maybe on the beach. Got some sand in there and everything. Arandis was still in the shower? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, anyway, Dax is mad at Worf for trying to uh, run her life. Uh, a dude named Pascal Fullerton, for real, <laughs> from the new essentialist movement, not kidding, comes to Worf's bungalow. He has not been mentioned okay, before, so he just walks in and introduces himself. You're not kidding, but then the rest of the episode, they never say the new part again. <laughs> they just talk about and essentialists. I think, he, I think it's possible that it's just the essentialist movement and he was telling Worf that they're pretty new in town. <laughs> Could be. He was going door to door, for sure. He was just, like, popping his head into random places, like, Hey, it's me, Pascal Fullerton. Uh, this dude is a nasty red stater who wants everybody to stop fucking and go to church so that he can have a homosexual relationship on the side that he's very ashamed of that'll definitely come out at some point and he'll blame a demon, probably. Anyway, he wants Worf to come to a shitty rally he's holding later. It's not with that fat Bolian, is it? <laughs> could, fuck, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> he wants Worf to come to a shitty rally he's holding later about how everyone should quit being sex animals and pray more. And, like, if God wants him to have a private plane, what can you do? He's gonna gotta keep giving God money so he can fuel up his private plane, etc. Anyway, Worf is mad at Dax, so he's going to attend this dumbass rally. He's transferring all his Dax shit into this guy. Yes. Uh, Worf is grossed out that Lita and Bashir are fucking other people on Risa. They all go to the rally, and the guy browbeats everybody and calls them children and whines about how easy life is now and how weak everybody is and how every other power in space thinks you're a bunch of shitty babies. He doesn't really talk about what people should be doing. No. Just, like, be tougher, I guess. I don't know. 
Uh, Worf yells at Bashir and Lita about sexing strangers, but Lita and Bashir say they're breaking up, and it's a traditional Bajoran celebration where you fuck each other and everybody else for a hot week to remember the good times. It must be from before the the terrible occupation. <laughs> yeah, I imagine this is an old tradition that Lita read about somewhere. Yeah, right. <clears throat> uh, just then, the essentialists... They're not as new anymore. They had a rally. Bust in with guns and, like, tear up all the drapes, I think. Yeah, they wreck up the place. Pascal Fullerton, that's his real name, calls his goons off, and Dax grabs one of their guns and finds, that shit's not even loaded. And the guy's like, yeah, this was a cool prank to make you see how weak you are, which is dumb. (laughs) Dex, Dex proclaims loudly that she has the power to arrest him as a space sheriff around here. Um, but she doesn't arrest him. And then he just says more dumb shit and then leaves. That night, Dax and Worf have a bummer conversation about their relationship. Because this is what people wanted when they heard Worf was going to be joining the show. There's a lot of serious talks about what he's used to in a relationship. To to be fair, the deeper we get into TNG, the more the more Worf is becoming this guy. It's mm-hmm. like I just every day we get further and further from season one Worf. Yeah, we talked about it. Season one was great. Even from the first episode of season two, it was clear that he was gonna be a dumb animal. Yeah. Um Anyway, um Bashir and Lita break up for good. Everyone's feeling pretty good about it. Until Lita says, now she's free to date a specific other man that she's been wanting to date. And that man is fucking Rom. Yeah. Just so many shots fired and Bashir is fatally fucking wounded. This is a, would be extremely bad news. Given how other characters understand Rom versus how we the audience understand him. <laughs> like for us, we're already like, I don't know, I'm starting to come around on Rom. Just one He's of the best parts cool. of the show. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Bashir will like, never uh, recover. The rest of these people, the rest of these people didn't see uh, his little trip to Ferenginar and how he stood up for his mom and everything. Like they don't know nothing about that. They're just like the guy who is real irritating in every engineering meeting. The guy who just constantly asks me what I had for breakfast, and then he like has it and he takes a picture of him eating that and he sends it to me and he goes, "Look, I had the breakfast you had." Also, I heard a rumor he's tried to murder Quark three or four times. <laughs> yeah, Bashir will never recover from this. He'll think about this anytime something happens in his life to be proud of. He'll think of Lita fucking wrong and conclude that after all, he's, he's still trash, no matter what is happening in his life. Uh, then Worf finds Dax reenacting the scene from Ghost with Arandis and has a big fucking fit. This week you were in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> this leads him, like, he has a big fit, though, because it leads him to go straight to the essentialists and level up their evil plan. Because he's a child and a bad officer. Um, <laughs> everyone is having a cool chat about how much they want to bang Dax in front of Dax. When it starts pouring and fucking thundering, and now Worf's heel turn is complete. He comes down to the ring and he does some hot mic work with his new stable mates, the new essentialists. <laughs> they sabotaged the weather grid. Pascal even says it's time to get back to the essentials. So they got they got the straight <laughs> fucking slogan that they're going to use out there. He pulls Kurt Angle's gold medal out of his shorts and throws <laughs> it in the river. 
Like, it's not as good as something from The Rock, but it's like a B-plus promo, for sure. <laughs> um, everyone's bummed out about their swampy vacation. I guess there's no recourse now? Like, Worf's in charge of the weather grid? And that's that? He, he did a thing that he thinks is going to take him three or four days to fix, and but that's... He thinks that's the end of it. I think maybe the essentialists are right, because there doesn't seem to be any police except for Space Sheriff Dax, and she's not arresting anyone. Yeah, when they told her, oh, the, Ry- the Ryzians aren't going to do anything. These guys don't give a shit. Uh, it turned out he was 100% <laughs> right. He's totally right. No one ever tries to do anything about this. Um. Anyway, um, Worf wishes Pascal well and says he's leaving Risa. But this dude has another evil plan he's going to spring. <laughs> Dax and Worf have another long talk about their relationship. Dax delivers some good Klingon slams about how he don't know what Klingon ladies like. He should shut his mouth. Um, Worf tells a sob story about how he's too big. He accidentally killed a kid. <laughs> he's too big and strong to be jolly because his body is literally a lethal weapon. That's why he's such a downer, it turns out. Did you know that? Ah, it's weird. It seems like, just like the in the previous episode where we learned that when he was a teenager, <laughs> he went and ran away from home and got <laughs> lost in the fire caves and had a vision. And had cousins who knew he was alive, but like didn't want him to come but back to Kronos. But didn't say, hey, you're a prince. Did you know you were a prince? Your house is in shambles, and like they are in desperate need of your fucking presence. You should probably come back. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, we now learn that on the farming world of Galt, he nutted a kid to death in soccer. Mm-hmm. Great make him up. Uh, Dax buys this for some reason, that that's why he's such <laughs> yeah. a piece of shit. I don't know. Uh, anyway, they come to an understanding. Then the earthquakes start. I guess Pascal's gonna let the planet fucking shake itself apart or something. Well, imme- immediately after Worf says, I would never do anything to hurt you, the earthquakes start. <laughs> yep. As a direct result of his actions. I don't know that Dax knows that, but uh, I know it. Yeah. But now that Worf and Dax have an understanding, he's changed his politics. Worf's changed his politics again. Uh-huh. The guy thinks he can take a run at Worf and gets <laughs> tossed around a little bit. Um, then uh, I guess the, everything gets fixed and everyone walks on the beach and gets ready to head back to DS9 and Worf and Dax agree to go skinny dipping and the episode ends. Yikes. This was a tough watch. What was it about, though? Uh, don't tell other people how to live their lives, even out of love, I guess. Okay. There could be an episode like this with any of a dozen takes that are just completely unexplored. Fanaticism, mm-hmm. the irony of protecting freedom by curtail. Like, you didn't. Because you were making a lot of jokes about this guy being a televangelist, you didn't really bring up that the thing he keeps harping on was how easy the Federation is to attack because of their decadence mm-hmm. and how they need to... Essentially, he wants everybody to fucking militarize for some reason. Yeah. Uh, the ultimate emotional damage caused by the Protestant work ethic. Um, <laughs> weirdly, though, this terrorism story is just about being less controlling in your personal relationships. <laughs> Yes, ultimately the stakes really are just Worf is grumpy. Yeah. It's all Worf-based. It's not really... The new essentialists don't matter. He learns a nice lesson about telling other people what to do. Um, 
that ain't big. That ain't big for me. Everybody knows this. Everybody knows it already. It's not science fiction. Uh-huh. And nothing about the science fiction aspects of the plot enhance or Honestly, they clarify. kind of detract because they don't make any fucking sense. <laughs> right. So uh, I gave the take uh, as much as three points. Okay. I was in the same neighborhood. I had um, enjoying yourself isn't wrong, no matter what preachers or controlling boyfriends tell you. But why do I need this episode? Why did anyone need it? I don't think anyone needed it. Um, that's just a two for me. Yeah. Um, but what about, you know, the execution? How well they told the story? How well they made an episode of TV? Sure, 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 sure. All the stuff that's important to the creators of DS9. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, rubric aside, this is a real candidate for worst episode of Star Trek. It's a, such a gigantic waste of time. Nothing that happens with the new essentialist makes any sense or matters. I don't want to hear anything else about Dax and Worf. They only got together a couple weeks ago, and I already am very over it. Yeah. Uh, It was all a real fucking bummer, and I gave it a zero. I don't know. Were there good things? Maybe there was a good thing in there. Um... Well, no, the answer to your question is there aren't good things. Okay. No, okay, so n- number one, it's wild garbage that Worf isn't in jail at the end of this. It's insane no one's arrested the entire episode, no matter what yeah. crimes are committed. I'm I'm 99% sure that if the commander of a guided missile destroyer mm-hmm. went on shore leave in the Philippines and destroyed a power station, yep, he'd be drummed out of the Navy. Yeah, at, at least after it made the rounds on the news. You know, sometimes yeah. they like to hide this shit, but then once it gets out, well, they okay, have to do that something. is true. Too. I guess it could be that what's happening here is that Dax knows. Dax and everybody all agree we're just going to cover this one up, right? <laughs> no one's ever going to hear about the terror. But then she we're going to pin this on the essentialists. Hundreds of thousands of people had their vacations ruined, and it's like, oh, that's definitely going to get out. There's going to be you an know, investigation into this for sure. Buildings were definitely damaged in that earthquake, mm-hmm. and probably some flooding. <sighs> it was that rain was torrential. At- at some point, Vanessa Williams is going to have to defend her job by saying, look, a Starfleet officer gave these guys access to the weather control grid. Yes. Like, this one is not on me. He was mad at He was literally mad at me for in a past life fucking his lady and yeah. fucking decided to ruin our planet. Uh, the total consequences we see in this episode, they just laugh and do a skinny dipping joke at the end. <laughs> Even the people Worf's with aren't mad at him about ruining their vacation. No, everyone's very understanding. Yeah. Then uh, we have these chodes who uh, see Risa as the ultimate in degeneracy. Mm-hmm. But because this is Deep Space Nine and it's uh, first run syndication at 5 p.m., it basically looks like a hotel in Malibu. <laughs> For sure. I mean, look, we'll get into it. Starfleet definitely turns a blind eye to sex tourism, seems to encourage it. But, like, you're right that this was not, it didn't look that debauched. No, like, I don't know. Everyone in Starfleet was pretty excited about the Edo planet. Yes. And that was uh, 50 times. Oh, yeah, dude. Sexier than than what was going on here on Risa, where everyone was wearing a regular bathing suit. Mm -hmm. The nastiest thing on the whole planet is Lita and Starfleet brought her there. (laughs) It's their fault, like everything. Yeah, and let's not forget Planet Hooker back in the TOS days, the place you take people who hate women. So it's like, oh, yeah. Fuck. 
where you then uh, where you then exercise your so much influence that you your officers get off scot free of murder because a, a traveling spirit came to the planet and murdered yeah. people the same the, one that murdered people back on our home planet the fucking administrator of the whole planet's going to go to those women's families and tell them okay so an energy being <laughs> who kills women on a lot of planets passed through here briefly but uh, he's gone now don't worry about it you know there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that says it was a starfleet officer but it was <laughs> definitely an energy being um so it makes it pretty hard to see what these guys are even upset about yeah but then also, no one even tries to argue with them. No one says, listen, this is an inner Federation world where people go on vacation. Why should they? Why do you want them to act like the Jem'Hadar are going to roll in with blasters at any second? Like, this isn't the front line. Yeah, it's true. This isn't some colony. They, they, they seem to take the tack of, well, if we just ignore them. Like, we'll just ignore them and go back to our vacation, and then, like, it'll be fine. Like, yeah, they come me, and they tear like, up that Like whole I room. do with the street preachers outside of the <laughs> arena. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They, they come and they tear up that whole room, and everyone's just like, huh, weird. Anyway, what's next on vacation agenda? Um, it, wasn't it a better explanation that Worf holds himself to some impossible Klingon ideal because he's an outsider who fetishizes a culture he will never be a part of. Isn't that better than I, I accidentally killed a kid and that's why I'm so reserved. Yeah. As always, the stuff that we have put together has taken a lot more work than the writer of this episode who probably didn't write any other ones put into it. When guy when Guinan was like other Klingons laugh and Worf didn't launch into I I headbutted a kid and he died. So <laughs> that's why. So now I can't laugh anymore. Too dangerous. You see me when I laugh and you show them off my fangs and everything? Someone could die. Can't do it. Um it's just a sad state of affairs uh when the most interesting part of the episode is that Lita has a crush on Rom. It's kind of true, yeah. I mean, really, that so, whole thing where we learned that they have a horny ritual about breaking up is, like, that's that that's the part of the episode that's the best, I guess. Yeah. Like you said, what's good? I had initially given it a one, but I'm going to give it a zero like you did. <laughs> it's just... I'm going to follow suit. Okay, well, what do you think, rubric aside, is this, like, is this a bottom five episode for you? Oh, for sure. Like this, so there's just well, oh, okay. So season one of Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. had some incredible clunkers. So uh, bottom five is a t- is tough, but like, there's nothing to like about this. Worf is a petulant baby with Dax the whole time. Yeah, uh, and it's like, did you? I know you've only been here. You've been here for a whole year. You must have seen this character. Bang 15 freighter captains. <laughs> yep. Did you have you met her wrestling coach? Like, yeah. do you know Dax? Like, what it is very they've weird. done so like this instant they fuck. He's like, now you have to be a good Klingon woman or whatever, whatever that means exactly. To him. But it's like, hey, bro, did you see how hard she was coming for you? Like, that's probably not isolated behavior, but no, not only that, but like, has he never met a Vecma? A real Vecma type? No, dude. He never got to do a transfer onto a... Oh, he did do a transfer onto Klingon ships during the big war. Yeah, I guess maybe Kern doesn't have any... I don't remember the name of the other woman. <laughs> the not Vecma? Did she get a name? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway. 
Um, it's just so it's so impossible to understand what these two even like about each other that I I I'm just a hundred percent out on their relationship drama, yeah. especially because he's this whole episode is just him acting like a baby, and at the end, where we're supposed to just understand why he's a petulant baby yeah. and forgive him for it. He doesn't have to learn or change. No, and I don't forgive him. I mean, it's like you said, as soon as he's done fighting with Dax, his politics change. Yeah, then he's like, you guys are in the wrong. And it's like, but bro, you were, you egged him on. You raised his hand with the championship belt like 10 minutes ago. So yeah, like just what what is there that's any fun about watching this? Also, there's something about the DS9 writers and romantic relationships. Do we already got Keiko and O'Brien? What a nightmare oh, yeah. that is. We got the uh fucking Odo pining for Kira sometimes and then fucking Vedic Barail dies on her. We got Cisco had to put his girlfriend in jail. Yep. They just um it's not good. It's not good stuff. They're in, they're they're in trouble because of continuity. Hmm. Again, because of first run syndication. But like that's not a problem in TNG because these idiots fly away from this planet every week and you never see them again. So right, or maybe Riker's girlfriend gets eaten. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's gets scooped up. But they they did not. So like they're used to the idea of we could do a little one off romantic show and then. You know, the characters will be gone. As soon as you try to make a, an actual relationship, these guys, I don't know. But you're right. They, it's just a really very dark bad. look. Yeah, it's a dark look at all yeah. things romantic. So, not a blast. Um, What about world building? Uh, essentialism. The Ferengi have 178 words for rain. Uh, weather control to it, what appears to be a pretty extreme extent. Yeah. Uh, the Bajoran ritual of separation. Right. There's a few, a few little things, but there's nothing that I would call big or exciting world building wise. I gave it as many as two points and I could see one. I gave it two as well. Let me take a look here. Um, Worf says Starfleet uniforms are designed for comfort, even in extreme environments. Uh... Rice, uh, Rice has a shitty place without all the weather controls. Um, the Bajoran ritual described in this episode doesn't mesh with the Spartan, tough, spiritual Bajorans we know, so this seems like some pre-Cardi shit. If it's real at all and not just something Lita made up. Well, I think we have to assume that uh, that it, the Bajorans didn't have Risa to go to for this ritual, so it wasn't like, I'll go get a tank top massage from one of the free sex workers on this planet. <laughs> Right. I'm sure whatever they did in the actual separation ritual on Bajor was a a lot more subdued. It could be. Um, More stuff about how wet Ferenginar is, like you said, the new essentialists, obviously. A brief exposition about Galt. Yeah, it's a two for me. And in characterization. Yeah, maybe you thought they did some real good work character-wise. Definitely a strength in this episode. Uh, everyone's pretty cool talking about fucking in the future, so that seems pretty evolved. That's good. Like, that's what they're talking about in that whole teaser when Dax is chatting with Odo in his Little League appearance and, um, Cisco <laughs> in his. Uh, uh, Rene Aubergenois directed this, by the way. Oh, well, that's nice. Well, he didn't have to be in it much, so good for him. Yep. 
uh, Dax airs her and Worf's dirty laundry in front of everybody. She finally tells Worf some stuff we've all been thinking later in the episode. This is a top-down problem, right? This is Cisco because O'Brien is constantly putting his arguments with Keiko on blast on the bridge of the Defiant. Uh, yes. Dax, sure. uh, at least this is in an off-duty situation. Yeah. Is uh, is airing it out. Uh, but just at the replimat or whatever, I didn't like it. No one's having these conversations with Picard, right? I don't know. No one's having these conversations with Janeway. No, dude. Riker knew he couldn't do that anymore that time. He talked about it, and they both said the women at the same time, and Picard rolled his eyes. That was it. Riker's like, oh, I don't even going to try anymore. Oh, okay. All right. I get it. (laughs) He hates me. Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, it could be. I mean, I think everyone was so in Cisco's fucking business all the time about dating that he might have been sort of manipulated into this, this culture. Um... Worf is a stick in the mud, hyper serious, did sex a few times and wants to lock it down. You get it. Um, He's also very racist. Hates Captain Baudet. For the, just for the fact. (laughs) Because he's got a transparent, translucent skull. Yep. That's it. That's all. That's the only thing he can bring up. Um, Worf is like really teetering on the edge of joining that McCoy Janeway TP tier of garbage that I've got. (laughs) <laughs> like if he's not there already like he might be there already if he's not it's as a result entirely of season one wharf which we know is dead and gone uh he tries to explain it away by humble bragging about how fucking lethal a soccer player he is he made sure to mention that he scored that goal dude uh-huh he's like as the ball he brought that up soared first. into the net yeah 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 <laughs> it's like all right bro calm down he really set the scene he talked about why scoring a goal was important to him, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it was rough. Like, all right, this is the point of the story. Um, Lita thinks space travel's boring. Bashir and Lita come to this place to do some fucking and breaking up, and she wants to date Rom. Quark walks around just fucking double fisting those Horgons. Yep. Do you need one per lady? Is that how it works? You can't just like see two ladies and have a Horgon and be like, hey, I want both. Yeah, I wonder. Guess you need two. Ah, boy, I really... Worf is so bad, I had to give it a one. It's just a dreadful episode. Well, Worf is a full terrorist now. (laughs) He's been a religious weirdo and an outcast. And one time he watched a teenage girl bathe in a lake. But surely this has to be his low point. Being a terrorist because of a weird fight he had with his girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Is it supposed to be fun character development for Dax that Curzon died fucking even younger Vanessa Williams? (laughs) It's true. Right? Yeah. Dax makes a point of telling her that Rice has been good to her. She hasn't aged a day. Yeah, and that was a long fucking time ago. we know that's because, well, I mean, was Dax brand new? When we started this, she was already a lieutenant commander. How did that work? Yeah, I don't know. Not, they aren't clear about how, what, like, whether she had already been in Starfleet for a while when she joined. But this is season five, so I don't think it's crazy to assume that that she was maybe the Curzon died maybe ten years ago at least, right? Yeah, something like that. Yep, yep, and even younger <sighs> Vanessa Williams for sure. Yep, cool. 
What does Dax even like about Worf? What does Worf like about Dax other than she's as close as he can get to Klingon? I mean, their relationship started in an episode when he was pursuing a different woman for 42 of the 43 minutes. Yes. Yeah, it's true that no point during their resolution, and that's why I kept saying for some reason they've they've decided not to fight anymore. Like, I wasn't even entirely sure how they resolved that, except Worf made a cool excuse about killing a dude. Yeah. At no point do they do do they say the things that they do like about each other at all. Yeah, he fucking put that out there, and then she was like, okay, well, now I'm an asshole if I keep, keep going <laughs> with this argument, so I guess he gets to win this one. And probably if he wins, we can stop those terrorists, so I'll just let him have this. Yeah. Uh, Quark beams down to Risa with two Horgons, and he comes off the best in this one somehow. <laughs> yep. Like, this is a sex holiday for him, but apparently that's what this planet is all about. Yeah. No, it was like that when we heard about it from Riker and when Picard went there, so. Yeah. Uh, it's a two. I gave it a, as many as two. Okay. Fuck, quick ones then. Yeah, I mean, I... I did write a few things down. Hey, Morn just has this one outfit, huh? Yeah. Like, I know, it's Star Trek. Everybody has one outfit. But for all these other people, it's their uniform. I mean, Quark has a lot of different jackets. Yeah, and they're all so short. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Morn just wears this same nasty jumpsuit all the time. It's like it looks all weird and padded. Yeah. Looks like what old sofas were made out of. The, the last time we saw Lita, did she have this little eight-years-old girl voice? It was I found it really off-putting. Uh, was the last time we saw her when she was a, a trail expert and got to host one of the old personalities? Has it been that uh, long? I feel like the last time we saw her was when they unionized. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. They keep bringing her back, but there's so much time in between the episodes, you can't even really call her a recurring character. I mean, not yet, huh? Yes. <clears throat> Uh, anyway, she does not have the, uh, pitch or speech patterns of an adult woman, and it's a little disturbing. No, I mean, in fact, my first quick hitter is I fucking yacked when Lita made her Horgon kiss Bashir's. Oh, yeah, that was rough. Awful. Just very bad. That was rough. (laughs) And I watched this really early one morning. I watched it at like 8 (laughs) a.m. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Yo, I've only had half a cup of coffee. (laughs) <laughs> what's happening just taking notes on this disaster of an episode <laughs> yeah. um here we go with feet again <laughs> yep never so, ends so, is it was it better or worse that no one actually touched her feet in this that that guy just held that telephone receiver over them while they put woo 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 sounds in I mean better but fuck why do we have to every scene in Star Trek starts zoomed in on somebody's fucking feet yeah. Uh, I guess the peaceful artist Bajorans created a whole ritual out of breakup sex. Mm-hmm. How can it possibly be the case that it never rains in that part of Risa? Yeah. That's... What is the weather grid doing? How can they make it so it never rains? And it looks like very tropical there. So. Yeah. How do all of those plants. I know they alien live. plants and they might look like earth plants and they wouldn't necessarily have to work like earth plants, but it fucking looks tropical. Like, I get it if the way the weather grid works is 
it rains Saturday and Sunday nights from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. or whatever. <laughs> it's like um, like it's, like your spr- when your sprinklers are in. <laughs> you're trying to conserve water by running them at night or something. Yeah, or but like how can when they you make go, it so it never rains? When you go to the grocery store and you're in the produce section and you hear the thunder and that means they're about to water <laughs> the fucking veggies or something like exactly. something like that. Like I could see that for <laughs> sure. The misters all turn on. <laughs> yeah, like you just have big like cosmic misters. That would be fantastic. But yeah, never rains doesn't make any sense. It's like weather occurs as the result of energy mm-hmm. like it's uh, uh, it, it doesn't matter but like where is all of the sun's energy that would ordinarily be going into weather patterns go yeah i mean we'll on talk, this planet we'll talk about it again in that episode with the teenage lady q when they talk about how our parents were killed by a freak tornado which the weather control nets have taken care of and you're like oh okay well Why'd you say that? Because now I got 500 questions about how that works. Yeah, but like taking care of tornadoes doesn't mean that it's just they make it so it never rains. Like I could see like the energy is being dissipated so that it just rains for longer, but the storms aren't as intense or whatever. Maybe they but got like, some kind of energy bubble around the settlement so that it still rains other places, but in the settlement it doesn't rain. And maybe the the rain that's close is enough to feed the vegetation and the... uh, uh, listen that's one possible explanation <laughs> but they're just like it's a fucking paradise here it's sunny 365 days a year <laughs> yeah <sighs> dax says she'll buy someone a horgon if it means they'll loosen up mm. and and so yeah is the horgon somehow payment Oh, wait, are you asking if it's prostitution? Of course it's prostitution. But, uh, but like, specifically, do the boys and girls of Risa yeah. collect them afterwards and turn them in? For real money. For real money. Or goods. I don't know. They're right, the, in, when we saw Captain's Holiday, it seemed like the Horgon was a little card on your table at an all-you-can-eat barbecue restaurant. <laughs> That's right. Turn it that over was if like, you're done. Don't bring me any more skewers. You're right. I've, I've flipped the Horgon to red, so I, you know, whatever. But, like, the idea of the, of her buying someone a Horgon, yeah. like, it's something you pay money for. Yeah, maybe is, it's like, uh, maybe it's like going to a casino and buying some chips or something, and it's the... Money all goes back to the house, maybe. So you pay for so the Horgon, and the, the facility gets your payment in whatever the economy says you should be paying in. Who the fuck knows? Then they must be pretty expensive, right? Yeah, probably. Because if you're going to have one Horgon for your whole week-long sex adventure, <laughs> yeah, and well, you just show it all the time, that's got to be worth a lot of money. There's all-inclusive, and then there's like all-inclusive. And yeah. this seems very inclusive. Um, but then, does it does it fuck up the economy when Starfleet shows up on a runabout and Quark's replicated seven Horgons? <laughs> that can't be good. Maybe maybe he had to pay in advance, and they sent him to him. Did he say he no, replicated? He mail, he mail ordered. He I think he did say he replicated That's him. Fucking bad. That's bad. 
Yeah, I don't know. Whenever they say anything about the economy, I get very confused. Look, if he paid for them, there's no way he's handing them out to the people on the road. I know he's That's excited true. about his sex vacation, yeah, it is but quark. this is Quark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he must not have paid for those. Well, then, yeah, I don't know. How, what, how does... <laughs> Chapter 1000 in How Does the Economy Work? Yeah, anyway, it's awful to think about Risa uh, because we never learn anything about these women, mm-hmm. What, how they perceive what they're doing if this is a calling for them if they come from turkana 4 and this is just yeah. marginally better right. or whatever right so thanks for going back there yeah i know yeah best actor quark worst actor lita yeah lita's not great huh yeah uh yeah i already said the thing about lita and her and bashir's horgon's kissing I kind of love Captain Baudet. Everyone is hella racist against him all the time and his fucking skull, but he's just like a king walking around fucking everybody on DS9. Oh, I'm sorry. Who else besides Dax in your imagination? Oh, I don't know. He seems like a ladies' man. That's so everyone t- talks about what a fucking flirt he is or whatever. I imagine he's out and, out and about just getting wet with that old white lady and everybody. Do you think, like... Uh, do you think when he's horny, you could see it in his brain? You know, probably, yeah. You know, what we're going to find out is that certain parts of your brain actually do light up when you uh, <laughs> feel certain emotions. If we had transparent skulls, it'd be a lot easier to tell. Um, like, uh, he's walking on the promenade and Bajoran uh, women who were just up from the planet for the first ever trip off world see his this transparent skull or whatever. They're like looking away real quick. And he's like, that's right. You love it. <laughs> yep. Well, anyway, I imagine he's badass. Um, did Worf think that comeback about Kaelas turning back a whole army by himself was going to shut this lady up? <laughs> Bro, she doesn't care about that. She's never even heard of that guy. Yeah, tell her about the time Guan Yu shouted down a whole army. <laughs> it's just like so Zhang Fei? Who held was, that bridge? It was Zhang Fei. He was telling the story Zhang of Zhang Fei, and he just put Kaelas' Ka- name in it. But it was like... Yeah. That lady just looked... That lady was very patient. I would have been like, Bro, nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about. Like, why did you say that right now? Um, or so, I mean, what if someone had said, that probably didn't happen. <laughs> that sounds fair. Just really incensed him. <laughs> that sounds like a myth. Um, what was Dax going to do on the count of three when she says to Worf, you ready? One, two, three. Was she going to have Worf throw her into a flying roundhouse and shatter this Bolian oh, skull or something? Yeah, good question. She didn't even do a series of uh, SWAT team hand gestures to no. indicate what they were supposed to do, so there was no way for us to know. Like, she just says to Worf, ready, one, two, three. Was she going to in her one piece? Her blanket would have fallen off. This is why Worf stopped her. <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. We don't have a plan. No, no, no. No, no, no. We need to discuss this first. That's not enough information. Because <laughs> I'm probably just going to try to punch him on three, and I don't know if that's what you want me to do. Um, I kept expecting Worf to break a Horgon in frustration, so then when he fucking threw that one against the wall, I was like, yeah. I hated the plastic sound it made as it clattered around. It was probably some hella nasty plastic where, like, you could still yeah. see the fucking trimming that came off the tree and everything. Uh-huh. Yes, the injection molding <laughs> lines were very clear. The two halves didn't line up. It was like a, a novelty tiki cup that you get at a Benihana or something if you order the cocktail, <laughs> right? And it was made out of the same stuff a Wharf on Risa action figure would have. 
Exactly. <laughs> By the way. Not the war figure himself, but the accessories. The Worf on Rise action figure is great. It's him. He's just in his regular uniform, but he looks really grumpy. That's it. He's got a Horgon he can break. It breaks into two. Um, Starfleet is so pro-sex tourism. It's crazy. They're so, like you said, so excited about the Edo people uh, and their whole deal. So excited about Risa every time. So excited about Hooker Planet and TOS. Apparently in the future, that's just cool. Just go for it. Well, so it's very clear that in the future, there are no regulations about sexual harassment at all, right? It's just not, somehow it is not a problem. Everybody is enlightened enough to handle it. Yep, that's what it seems to be. Without needing specific rules, and that I guess that's the case with sex work as well. Everyone is now so enlightened in the whole galaxy Mm -hmm. that you don't have to have any concern about it. It's, um, but you know, viewing it from the present, it definitely seems like maybe kind of a bad message. Be like, yeah, cool, go to whatever foreign land, and I guess just uh, partake in the sex tourism. I'm sure those ladies are all doing just fine. Well, listen, they don't give us any, we never, even though the main, one of the main guest characters in this is a former sex worker on Risa. Mm-hmm. We, listen, we saw that she has risen through the ranks. She now administers that resort yeah, or whatever. like a fucking uh, uh, tour leader or fucking activities director or whatever. Yeah, they, well, they spend absolutely no time uh, getting to know those people or understanding what, what this is all about for them. And um, frankly, thank God, because imagine what Rick Berman would have done. I know. I know. My only point is... Whoever the main creep on Deep Space Nine is. Right. My only point is, viewing it from the present, it definitely seems grimy as hell. Like, these DS9 writers are just like, wouldn't it be cool, though, if we could do all the sex tourism we wanted and no one got mad at us? That's what I'm going to write the future to be. Oh, you're saying that the writer's room are people who definitely would like to go to Thailand. Yeah, probably have. Probably have done that. Maybe, maybe have... Mm-hmm. But they they feel like they can't be a hundred percent upfront about it. And that's why they keep writing that in the future it's just totally cool. Just go wherever you want and mm. sex the people there. That's what they want to do anyway. Mm. So anyway, um, I don't enjoy it in general. But that's it for this piece of crap episode. Yeah, thank goodness. Second place last week was Voyager. This week we watched Counterpoint. Thank you. <laughs> Voyager is flanked by two divorce ships. Who we don't hail know them yet. And new. If we don't know them yet. Who, but they say it right up front. Yep. Who hail and ask them to follow the usual inspection protocol. Uh... Janeway goes into her office to talk to the inspector, Kashik, and it seems like these guys have a history. So guess what, guys? It's the Herogen episode again, or last week when Tom Paris was already in jail. Voyager yeah. fucking loves to start this way. Yep. And by the way, that made me very worried that we were going to get a lot of flashbacks. And I was glad uh, that we did not. Right. <laughs> and it was not done in flashback style. This was just done to get us into the action this is something that's been happening uh we see these guys inspecting the ship they smash stuff up for no reason they ask a bunch of questions uh we learn that the devore imperium seems to have a real distaste for telepaths and um 
Yeah, you know, they might be shipping them off to concentration camps. Actually, it might be they're Nazis. They, these guys are Nazis about telepaths. So, yeah. Janeway tells this guy that the four telepaths that he saw on the manifest, Tuvok, Vorik, Lon Suter, and someone else I didn't write down, mm. uh, are all dead. They've all died. Yeah. So, don't worry about them. They're not here. They're dead. Uh, the inspection team doesn't find any telepaths aboard. But uh, this guy's number two, Prax, says Voyager deviated twice from their flight path. And Janeway says, we were avoiding ion storms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she only came up with the one excuse. I guess she thought it was simpler. Yeah, she does not say, scan for those ion storms or you guys know how there's a bunch of ion storms. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. It seems like this uh, Prax is a hardliner, but this guy Kashik is inclined to accept some minor deviations from protocol. Right. Um, the Devor move off, and uh, once they're gone, the crew begins setting up pattern enhancers and maximizing transporter power. A bunch of techno babble, and then a big group of people, including Tuvok and Vorik, materialize in uh, the cargo bay. And we discover that all the rest of these people are some telepaths that Janeway picked up and is smuggling through divorce space. Yeah, she's not just hiding her own. She's uh, fucking freedom fighting out here. By the way, yep. great accomplishment for Voyager that they didn't forget that they had two Vulcans on board. Because <laughs> I definitely could have seen them like having Tuvok rematerialize <laughs> and no mention of fucking Vorik. And you're like, wait a minute, I think there's another one. So I was very impressed uh, to see them both. It is definitely the case that early in a previous episode, someone asks Tuvok, why didn't you talk to one of the other Vulcans on board or whatever? Yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe those people were killed in one of the random incidents that have happened between then and now. But sure. right now, it's they, they at least have two. They remembered Vorik. Yes. Uh, they are hoping to rendezvous with a transport who will take their refugees the, you know, somewhere. Somewhere useful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little teaser here that they can't keep doing this trek forever because cellular degradation is setting in. Don't worry about it. That's not a plot point. No. No. They have a rendezvous set up in a nebula. What class is that nebula, Matthew? Is it Mutara class again? Uh, it's Mutara class again. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it is Mutara class. Uh, and they try to plot a course that will get them there without running into any more patrols. But after a short daycare sequence with Neelix, another divorce ship approaches. Just a one-man scout ship, and who is on board but Kashik? Mm. He tells Janeway he is defecting, and he needs her help to leave divorce space. He also tells her the nebula is a trap. Uh, that they know about the refugees and that they know that they're looking for a wormhole yeah. out of their space and that he could have exposed her at any time and that she should take that as proof of his sincerity. Right. He also gives her the patrol routes and some technical data to find his ships. Yeah, they got some kind of refractive shielding or something. Exactly. She takes the case to these refugees, and they say, yeah, maybe. I mean, there have been other sympathizers. Could be a trap to find the wormhole, though. But, you know, ultimately, ultimately, they uh, sort of agree to work with him. 
They also give Janeway the name uh, Torat, who is a man who may know how to find the wormhole. Mm. So Janeway has Kashik placed under armed guard, and they chase this guy down. Um, Janeway's treatment of this alien is <laughs> somewhat abusive. Pretty standard first Janeway she, stuff. First she hacks his ship to force him to communicate with her. Uh-huh. Then she straight kidnaps him and beams him aboard. Sure. Then she and Kashik play good astrophysicist, bad astrophysicist with him mm. to sort of get him to reveal the last four locations where the wormhole occurred. Uh, and then for some reason, Janeway and Kashik, who was previously a Coast Guard captain and not, as far as I knew, an actual wormhole expert. <laughs> sure. Get down to work trying to extrapolate the next appearance of the wormhole alone in a dim room while listening to Tchaikovsky. Yeah. The episode is called Counterpoint. She gets the idea to look for counterpoints to their data in subspace. And maybe they're falling in love a little. Oh, I think so. I thought this guy seemed like a real douche, but apparently Janeway was into it. Yeah, it doesn't seem well-motivated, but it is happening in this episode. Uh, Turns out, by the way, that this guy is haunted by some little girl that he found hiding in a storage tank and sent to the camps where he knew what would happen to her, and he's been looking for a way out, is the story he tells her. The computer finds also, wait, wait. the likely also, location. one time when he was a kid, he was playing soccer, right? <laughs> He's got a, he played a cool soccer match. And even though I mean, he did like a super good bicycle kick and that ball went soaring into the fucking goal, he kicked a guy to death. Yeah. He's been trying, the, to, yeah. trying to fucking get rid of that feeling ever since. Uh, the computer finds the likely location of the next wormhole appearance, but it's in a system with some kind of automated scanners. Kashik sets up a plan to drift past it at low power without triggering the scanner. Uh, he also invites her to dinner, but she declines. Uh, they get past the array, but then they can't shut down the warp core in time to avoid the next scanning, you know, for Voyager reasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now, instead of that, they gotta make a fucking run for the wormhole at maximum warp. Right, it's gonna take them six hours, and they'll get there right about the time the wormhole opens. And also right about the time that the two divorce ships that are now tracking them catch up. Yeah. Kashik comes to her with a new plan. Let me go back, he says, and I'll take over the inspection team and I'll use my authority to shield you. It'll be the quickest search ever. And Janeway reluctantly approves. He promises to uh, have his inspection teams off the ship before the wormhole opens and Janeway walks him to his shuttle. And she tells him they'll wait for him at the wormhole until it starts to collapse, and then they do a kiss. Mm. Then they get pulled over by the Devore, and they perform the usual search, although at least the montage sequence is sped up a little, (laughs) even if whether or not the process is. Uh, Janeway sneaks a little side chat with Kashik and tells him, hey, we found the wormhole, and of course he turns on her immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. They go triumphantly to the bridge, and Kashik orders the wormhole destroyed with photon torpedoes, but in the cargo bay, when the patterns reemerge again, it's not these Brenari. Yeah. And it's just some vegetables, and also when he fires the torpedoes, they don't hit the wormhole. 
And Janeway has the computer change the music on the bridge just as the two Voyager shuttles, which have been hidden by, as you said, refractive shielding, open the wormhole in its real location and pass through. (sighs) Kashuk then tells Prax they gotta keep this off the record, and so he lets Janeway go. Yeah, it's it's a purely saving his ass maneuver here. Yeah. Well, what's this one about? Oh, boy, I said guard your heart, even if you want that D. (laughs) Janeway is smart, I guess, in this episode, and because her responsibilities are so great, she knows she can't give in entirely to someone she doesn't really know that well, so she takes her precautions. No idea if it's um, anything that's going to be more valuable than that in terms of advice, but um, that's uh, that's just a four for me. Yeah, I mean, we're sort of in the same area. I think that the message here is that trust takes time to establish. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is why Kashuk says he hates telepaths, because before you can learn to trust them, they're already up in your brain. Yeah. But given that he's the one that delivers the message, it is a little silly that he gets caught out at the end. Yeah. It's like Um, saying that was part of his plan or something. He's like, sort now of? because I've already said that, like, you know that I I can be trusted because I said that other thing. Right, because I acknowledged that I might not be trustworthy. Yeah, so that's step. That's the first step to trust. By by double reversey rules, that means you trust me. <laughs> right. Um, there's nothing wrong with this message, but who needs to hear it? Who would fall for this guy in the first place? He's a Nazi. He's a Nazi and he's really fucking, I don't know. He seems like he's, I don't know what he's like putting on airs or something. He seems just like a real fucking douche. But I guess she was into that creepy European in season one. Yeah. The guy who wanted the stories. That guy was fucking gross. She was into the guy who wanted the stories and was definitely creepy. She also uh, was real happy to make friends with the former slave masters of the Kazon. Yeah. Well, they looked like her. <sighs> well, didn't they, though? Uh, they didn't have kinky hair like the Kazons do, so... Sort of, they weren't violence gangs, you know? Yeah. Like the Kazons' whole culture. Um, um, I don't have a fundamental problem with the take. Uh, for me, it's a five. Okay. Execution, then. <sighs> Do any of these shows start in media res as often as Voyager? It is something they like to do, for sure. Uh, like you said, we had a wraparound last week. We went through basically this one with the Herogen. It's also lame that Kashik and Janeway solve the where's the wormhole problem alone so that she can fall in love with a Nazi a little. Yeah. Because it's like, this is why there's an Astrometrics set now. And this is Seven of Nine's particular specialty. Yeah, I wonder, His what astrometrics? Was, I wonder what she was up to. Yeah, exactly. Well, not this. Yeah. This is this is Janeway and one alien working this problem. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that once again, Janeway doesn't attempt to explain to anyone how the Federation deals with the problem of telepathy. Nope. Um, also, there's a group of telepaths on board, refugees, basically not in the story. Yeah, we don't know shit uh, about them, but just that they're on the run from these dudes. Well, and it has the effect of making this a story of the good white guys versus the bad white guys. Ah, uh, yeah. 
right? Like Janeway's a white savior for sure. And it's not these, it's not these guys story. It's not these persecuted people's story, right? No, they're not in it. Uh, we also get treated to a repeat of the Cisco scene when he tells that busty Vorta that things could have been different if they'd only trusted each other. When at the end, Jen was like, we would have waited for you if this had been real. Yeah, I liked the Cisco one better. The conversation. I mean, it was a better episode, so why not? Also, they give up on hiding Vorik and Tuvok for the last inspection. And also, they didn't hide the refugees in subs in uh, the transporter, so like... I guess they had a second hiding place for all the... I mean, the other guys were on the shuttle, but where were Vor... Tuvok was just on the bridge. No one cared. It's true. <laughs> he was on the bridge when they called. It's really weird. <laughs> they just fucking... They could, they're like, well, they, but see, it turns out they were on the shuttles all along, but it's like, well, but Vork and Tuvok weren't, because this wasn't their exit from the show. Yeah, that's right. They went through a wormhole never to be seen again. <laughs> Wait, Exactly. What? Yeah. Yeah, there are a couple of okay touches to this episode. The classical music is nice. It it also evokes Nazis with their interest in classical music. Like when this guy comes on board and he's like, I love this Mahler. I love your Tchaikovsky, etc. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a Nazi. We get it. You know what he doesn't like? Jazz. That's right. He would hate jazz, but he would love to steal some art if he could get his hands on it. If he could just get his hands on a little bit of art, he'd love to have it. He didn't know what he, he does. Was he do walks with around it. it. He does walk around admiring some artifacts in Janeway's room. Exactly. He doesn't know what he'd do with it when he got it, but he's got to have that art like right away. Yeah. So that evokes uh, Nazis a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are definitely worse Voyager episodes to watch, um, but also a couple of passes could have cleaned this one up a little bit too. So. Yep. Sure. I have it at a four. Okay. Uh, let's see. I sincerely doubt that the real life bad guys could really go undercover as an Antifa. You know, they probably <laughs> try for a bit, but somebody would find their Twitter account and their follows would give them away instantly. All Ben Shapiro and shit. Um, I don't know if I like this episode better than the average Voyager because it's really better or because the soundtrack is much better than usual. <laughs> but I was really happy to hear all the classical music instead of the same shitty Voyager tense themes. It is true. Although, again, I have said several times that this is the best part of any Voyager episode. Oh, yeah. The main theme is glorious. It evokes exploration. Um... Some of their incidental music, not very interesting. Um, I guess it's better s- than the music that plays in the Zocalo. <laughs> Have you watched any more of those? Yeah, I watched a couple more of those. <laughs> yeah, the, the season one. I guess we're supposed to believe they um they get away with this whole thing. They get out of hostile space and all that shit just because this guy's worried about his career. At the end? Uh-huh. It seems thin. Like, I feel like this guy's a pig, right? Like, uh-huh. wouldn't they just, like, plant a knife on Voyager and then shoot it 500 times? Uh-huh. I, I also thought so, too. I'm very, like, wouldn't they take one of those space daggers that Sulu fears so much and just, like, drop it on <laughs> Voyager's fucking dead corpse after they shot it 500 times and be like, it had a knife. But this guy's like... We'll be so, our careers will be over. It'll be so embarrassing if we report that we tried to bust them and couldn't. 
They could have just fucking snatched up Tuvok and Morik. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. But and no. said, well, turns out these guys were smuggling telepaths. But that made me think, did the actor not portray the things he was supposed to? And were we supposed to think he was letting them go because he really did feel something for Janeway? Because that didn't come if through. If so, it did not come through. Exactly. Yeah. So I was kind of muddy. I didn't really understand how they got out of this. I know for a fact without... Like, even if I hadn't seen any of the other Voyagers, I know we're never seeing these dudes again. Oh, no. So they get out of this space somehow. Um, I presume he just makes sure they don't get intercepted again. It's very strange. Uh, I mean, it's better, Janeway, though you do point out she treats that alien bad like she usually does, and she does fall for this Nazi, so it's not great, Janeway. Good soundtrack, some ploys and double crosses and stuff, but... An alien of the week and a thin resolution. I agree. It's a four. World building. Uh, the Devore. We just met them. Um, always inspecting Voyager, looking for telepaths, which, <clears throat> like in Babylon 5, are regulated or illegal in some way. But unlike in Babylon 5, we don't hear much about it. Uh, some suitor continuity. Um... A wormhole they know will lead them to safety. So then I said, yet another stable wormhole? But no, it's not. It's one of those ones where one end moves around a whole bunch. No, and uh, it's not clear that they know where the other end of the wormhole is, by the way. Oh, it could end up They just know it's out of these guys' space, which is good enough if you're a telepath. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But if it, you know, sends them straight to the Borg or something, whoops. Uh, Refractive shielding, anti-telepathic interrogation training... Janeway says this guy's responsible for persecuting thousands of people, which doesn't sound like that much. Maybe there aren't that many telepaths that come through. Maybe it's like a fake threat used to enhance state security. Could be. Um, a whole new crew of extras every week, man. Every week, dozens <laughs> of new extras. Why aren't they just it's using... It's a good use of money. Yeah, why aren't they using what's-her-name? Cameron, where's she at? Just use her in every scene. <laughs> where's fucking Lita? What's her name? Uh, uh, Patricia, Patricia Tallman. Tallman. Where's Patricia Tallman? You know what I mean? Like, where are these people? Why do... Every week I point out, like, six guys. I'm like, nah, never seen that guy before. Never seen that guy before. <laughs> Their crew is thousands large. Uh, just a two for me. Uh, well, I didn't even have it as a two. Okay. We have uh, transporter hijinks. Uh-huh. Voyager loses two more shuttles and four more torpedoes out of their precious stocks. Will it ever matter? Uh, and Voyager only has three telepaths on board. Am I wrong? Um, wasn't yeah, the, go ahead. Wasn't the original helmsman a Betazoid? The one who died in episode yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's why we don't see her rematerialize in the. Well, yeah, but I mean, he did, they, she's not on the man at the crew roster either. Well, there were two Betazoids. I just Suter was one of them. I don't remember who the fourth person was that was mentioned. I, I think her name was like Stoddy or something, and they didn't say that. Yeah, maybe. So that's why I was could gonna, be. I was like, well, they're off the roster because they really are dead. Like she's really dead, so she's not on it. <laughs> and they found the real roster, and she just has to tell them that these other people are dead. Anyway, right. Although it did have Suter on it still. Oh, yeah, he really is dead. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, he is actually dead. 
He's Unless cool. there's a big reveal coming in <laughs> season six. That's right. Coming up, the return of Lon Suter. Lon Suter rambles down the sideline. Uh, also, uh, Janeway isn't super worried about the Prime Directive because she knows people. She's on a first-name basis with the admirals that would make up her board of inquiry, she says. Well, she is an admiral when she gets back, and that will confuse me forever. <laughs> it's very confusing. So, just a one world building. Okay. And not like a behind-the-desk admiral either. She's, like, involved. She's, like, doing stuff. Makes me crazy. They don't just, like, put her in a room and, like, you're an admiral, but, like, stay out of everyone's business. Like, she's out there, like, giving orders to Picard and shit. It don't make any sense. Well, just try not to think about it, man. All right. To be fair, we see her giving orders to Picard in a Borg-related situation. Is that the one? Which one is it? I thought maybe it was the next one. Or maybe even the Shinzon. Well, there's a bad, there's a bad admiral in. yeah. In that So it one. might be the Shinzon one. I'd be surprised one. if they... Yeah, maybe it's the Shinzon one. Yeah. Uh, characterization. I just figured if it was Borg-related stuff, she actually has more experience with the Borg even than Picard, so... Yeah, and they're our best fucking friend. <sighs> characterization. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fully consistent that Janeway is willing to overlook any number of past transgressions up to and including genocide if the person (laughs) is mildly contrite and culturally white. Of course, yes, absolutely. That is the key. Yeah, Definitely consistent, but how much does that suck? Mm -hmm. I don't need to see a story of her falling for a bad guy. She is the bad guy. That's true. Anyway, no one else is in it, so where are the points? Wow. I zeroed it. Oh, wow! I blanked it. Okay. Well, I've definitely been talked down a lot on this episode. Let's see what I say in characterization here. Uh, Janeway is finally lying to aliens and breaking their rules for a good cause. It must be her dream come true that she can say she's doing all these pirate things that she's up to for a good reason this time. Um, anyway, uh, she says disabling this alien ship is overkill, but kidnapping is totally cool. She um, falls for this guy's shit. Not just his help, but his fucking rod, too. Um, but at least in the end, she isn't duped. She was the only person in it. I give it a four. It was better than usual Janeway, even with the existing flaws. Well, all right. <laughs> I saw this as largely confirming her flaws, but yeah. <laughs> at least but she's not. This time she helped the refugees. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. She didn't talk to them, but she did help them. No, she wasn't interested. Not particularly interested in what their life is like or, like, what their struggles are. Do you have some quick hitters? Sure. Fucking cops, right? (laughs) That's what I said in the beginning. (laughs) Uh, It was obvious from the beginning that Janeway can't deal with these guys straight up, so they'd be hiding something. Uh, I guess it turned out to be telepaths. So then I said maybe Vulcans. Oh, and refugees. Uh, at least her shiftiness is for a good cause this week. Uh, the bad guy said the name of the episode. Then later Janeway said it. He also seems like the type of guy who would have appeared in Babylon 5. I didn't check to see. But, um... Uh, I did feel like I'd seen this guy before, but like you, I definitely did not look it up. Yeah, I was assume. much more distracted by his name. <laughs> yeah. 
Star Trek really hates scientists. It happens every week in every show. This time, the scientist they kidnap is easily baited into giving up his information by saying, like, you don't know nothing about wormholes, and he's just got to show them how much he knows about cool wormholes. Um, Taking off your jacket. At one point, Janeway takes off her her jacket and she's in her undershirt. And it occurred to me that in Star Trek, that's like the equivalent of slipping into something more comfortable. And classical music in Star Trek is like Barry White. I mean, it is true. Uh, we did see Ro Laren take her jacket off last week uh, for a different reason. I guess that's true. But yeah, you're but that right. Was supposed Usually to be real. That's... that's like Star Trek sexy. She had her undershirt on and classical music was playing and it was like, oh shit. Yeah. Uh, and I had the stuff about the original Helmsman being a Betazoid. Um, I figure Tuvok might be in on some Tchaikovsky. Maybe he'd like shed a single tear if you listen to it. Because I think Janeway's mad in the end she doesn't have anybody to listen to classical music with anymore. Yeah. Tuvok might be into it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, as long as you don't play Mozart. No. <laughs> no, because they don't go like this. Mozart! You're like, oh shit, man, that Bandai's really acting up. <laughs> we gotta work on this shit. Uh, this guy had a recurring uh, role on Boy Meets World. Did he? Yeah, if I say Jedediah Lawrence, does that mean anything to you? It does not. <laughs> it means nothing. Lawrence. I think Topanga's last name was Lawrence. So maybe Topanga's dad or something. Maybe. I don't know. You know, Topanga's been in the news recently. <laughs> yeah, she has been in the news recently. Because of the shrimp tails Because guy. of the shrimp tails. <laughs> shrimp tails guy, which turned out was some kind of, like, serial abuser of women or something. That boy, that story had legs. <laughs> it has dropped out of the news, more or less. Yeah, but even these days, if you're in the news more than one day, that's like... That story's got legs for sure. It's like, Ooh, it's really going. Yeah, that one. That one went for three days. I was like, "Oh shit!" There's more stuff about Shrimp Tails guy. Um, that's it for me. What about your quick hitters? Uh, you can't name this guy Kashik like that. Isn't the Wookie home world? <laughs> like, I get it. It's missing one or more letters, but like, it's the basically the same pattern. Yeah, man, Since when are Neelix and Janeway hugging friends? Since when does she show up and put her arm around Neelix's shoulder and look at the refugees they're bringing and think, aren't we doing a great thing? You and me. Just raising these refugees. Uh, so is this guy actually a wormhole expert? I thought that was a bluff. <laughs> well, it turns out they figured it all out, so. Uh, Janeway is definitely part of the old boys club. She's very proud of it. When this guy talks about the Prime Directive. That just leaves Cisco out in the cold. Picard's clearly part of the club. Janeway's part of the club. Cisco, he was almost in, but it turned out he was friends with the wrong Admiral. <laughs> Cisco's always telling people he doesn't even know if he wants to be in Starfleet. It's not great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this dude has sent presumably thousands of telepaths to their deaths. What is it with Janeway and problematic men? Yeah. Hey, boy, she's lucky that Kashuk and Prax didn't decide to turn Voyager into melted slag just to make extra sure no one ever found out, right? That's exactly right. 
It's I I, I was like, really? That's it? That's really it? That's the episode? Okay. G- genuine question that only occurred to me at the end of this, Matt. Was Chakotay in this episode? Did not see him. The the doctor got his hand in Little League rule style. Neelix got his hand in. Did we see Harry Kim or TP? <sighs> yeah, Harry Kim. I think during the inspection, maybe during the inspection. I know we see uh, Seven during the inspection. Yeah, I don't remember Teeps, but probably. Yeah, but yeah, Chaco. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, what I about Kess? Did we see Kess? Was she in? It? <laughs> well. <laughs> You know, it's been a couple episodes. Oh, huh? I wonder when we're going to see her again. Um, I give best actor to uh, just a, sh- a shrug emoticon or maybe Neelix. <laughs> he was in this one. He had to say some shit about Flotter, you know? God, yeah, he did. Oh, Worst by the actor way, to... Marjan doesn't usually watch Voyager with me, but she watched this one, so I had to then pause and explain what Flotter was. Because Neelix right. doesn't explain. No. So I guess we're supposed to at least have that much continuity. We're supposed to have that knowledge. Uh, worst uh, worst actor I gave to Prax. Uh, he was like uh, that protocol minister to me, basically. And that guy has appeared in Babylon 5. Prax? Yeah. He plays uh, <laughs> captain on the wrong side of the Civil War, for sure. Shh. We're watching it now. <laughs> She doesn't listen to these except all at once. She won't be. She won't care about that. <laughs> no, she won't care. J. Patrick McCormick. Sure. That sounds right, actually. I would believe that. <laughs> if you just made that up, I would have bought it. Okay, looks like a Well, he's made three appearances in Star Trek productions. Uh, let me think. You're right that he plays Earth, Cor- Earth Force General Robert Lefcourt. Yeah, that's right. What other is Star Trek stuff? Which guys was he? Can't remember. Well, we haven't gotten to it yet, but let's say that there's a there's an interesting piece of backstory for one of the Deep Space Nine characters, and this guy appears as a rear admiral with the Judge Advocate General's office. Oh, yep, I got it. I remember him now. Also, he is a Romulan commander in the movie Nemesis. And I remember that. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Fucking Nemesis. Um, by the way, now that we're done with two of these, I should point out we don't have Ben's notes. So Yeah, we don't have uh, we're not skipping him. It's no. just we he didn't get him in. Um and that's why we're moving through so fast and why it's already time to talk about last week's winner, Star Trek the Next Generation. This week we watched Silicon Avatar. Riker and an away team are down on a lush green planet that looks maybe like a park in the hills around Los Angeles where you might get attacked by zeros. Uh, (laughs) The man himself is discussing the pioneer spirit with uh, the head of the colony, a woman named uh, Carmen something. I didn't write it down. And they agree that they are going to fuck Raw in her tent later. God, I mean, they were so upfront about it. I was surprised they hadn't yet. Yeah. Well, before he even gets to see her butt, <laughs> the fucking crystalline entity rolls in. Yeah. And everyone has to make a run for some caverns. 
poor Carmen, goes back to help an old man, and gets gobbled up by a harmful ray. Yeah. Enterprise is coming back from somewhere, doesn't matter, and they don't tell us. No, just They the, can't raise the colony. Just that they're 27 hours out, that's all we know. That's right. Uh, they can't raise the colony, and uh, so they increase speed. Meanwhile, everyone's reached the cavern. Data and Riker steal it behind them with phasers for some reason. Crystalline Entity couldn't have gotten through there anyway. <laughs> I have so many questions about that. <laughs> but I have my other question that I didn't put in my notes, so I'll say it here is, why does that guy shoot so slow that they can slowly jog away from it? Why? <laughs> How does it work? But anyway. Yep. Uh, also at the rate at which he's gobbling up little strips of the planet, it'd take him a thousand years to do what we later see he did overnight. He does like one strip that's about 10, 15 feet wide and he does it for like, I don't know, a quarter mile and that's the whole scene. And you're like, man, either that's the smallest fucking planetoid there is, or he really picked up the pace after they went and hid in those caves. Uh, maybe he got mad. Oh, well, fuck it then. Uh, I'm just going to eat everything. Anyway, they seal the cavern behind them, and then they phaser the ceiling (laughs) for light. (laughs) Uh, And then they just have to wait out the attack, hoping that their air will hold out, you know, after they've done a couple of things that are going to make it tough. Yep. Enterprise, uh, we now learn, is six hours away. Uh, This is a very clumsy attempt to show passage of time. Everyone back in the cavern is sweltering, but it's been an hour now since the crystalline entity stopped shaking up the place. Mm. Before they can decide what to do, Worf blasts his way in, because I guess we've, we cut to six hours later. Yeah. And uh, they emerge onto a scarred and cratered landscape. Uh... Enterprise uh, gets permission to pursue and investigate the crystalline entity with the help of a civilian scientist, uh, Dr. Kyla Marr. Yeah. And right away, it's clear that she doesn't like Data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wait, wait, wait. it gives her... Wait, I don't care about any of that, how she dressed. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, she is wearing a <laughs> coat, a long coat, with a... An, Empire waist and a high Mandarin collar, she all looked, in purple. She looked like she she looked like the world's richest sister wife. Sure, <laughs> it was just yeah, insane. It's a, it's a weird look, right? Because it, she shows absolutely no skin, but this thing definitely gives the impression that she's got big cans. Huh? <laughs> That's right. Yep. It's an odd look. I saw that long ass fucking camera and I went, hey, I think this is the first time this lady's been outside in like 20 years. Anyway. Yeah, she's not usually allowed to talk to men, I guess. Um, Anyway, she doesn't like Data. Like, she she winces in public in front of everybody when he talks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she just comes right out with it. She doesn't want to work with him because Lore was in cahoots with the crystalline entity. And what if he is, too? But Picard just forces him on her. Picard loves doing that. He's, when the Klingons show up, he's like, your personal attache is Worf. Yep. Yeah. It's like he is constantly trying to get the upper hand in some negotiation that is not occurring. Yeah, he's trying to pull a Jellico, but you're right. There's no, there's nothing. There's nothing that you should be yes. doing right now. Uh, 
down on the surface while they're investigating, she comes right out with her theory that maybe the people in the cave were spared because Dana was working with the crystalline entity. Yeah. It's like a solid, and, solid fucking theory. Yep. And uh, she also tells him her son died on Omicron Theta, the planet where Data was found. And that's why she has become an expert on the end. She was already some kind of scientist, right. but she changed to uh, crystallology as soon as this thing ate her son. Uh-huh. Uh, up on the ship, Data discovers uh, some kind of signature in all the data that they found that allows him to track the crystalline entity for no good reason. He's able to detect this signature while she can't because he had the notes from a some kind of scientist that was living on this farm world with them. Dude, there's so much shit that doesn't make it into the Federation library. Yeah, Every but it's just in Data's head. We hear about shit like last time it was that um, that Cardi Mangala. Like nothing about that guy made it into any Federation records. <laughs> yeah, what's the deal with that? Yeah. Um. So. They make a run for the Brechtian Cluster, where they think this thing is going, hoping to cut off the entity before it can attack again. And uh, Mar hands Picard and Worf a little pad with some ideas she's thought of for uh, how to destroy the crystalline entity with torpedoes. But she's pretty shocked to hear from Picard that he's not going to fire on it unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Well, he's a Starfleet guy, and he's an explorer, so of course he wants to try to communicate with it, and she is incensed. He doesn't think much uh, of her either at that point. No, I think at this point the uh, the shine is off with her, right? Yeah. Uh, she goes to talk to Data. He's having a little classical guitar jam in his bedroom while person his lips for no reason. <laughs> he really knows. Uh, he's seen people do it. <laughs> That's the only thing you could ever and, say uh, is like he's. I guess he's seen someone do it. He's. he's that's why he's doing it. It doesn't make any it is sense. How you, it's how you explain everything. Is ah, uh, he thinks that's what you're supposed to do <laughs> when you play the guitar. Like when he got real shouty with what's his name on the Sutherland, he just he'd seen someone yeah. do it. He knew. Ah, uh, he's just channeling Riker. Uh, well, I mean, Riker probably does purse his lips when he plays the trombone, but that's for mechanical reasons. That's right. Anyway, she apologizes for her accusations. He shows her this research that Picard mentioned into how to use uh, graviton pulses Mm. to maybe communicate with the crystalline entity. And uh, she says, by the way, do you have any of my son's memories? Yep. His memories, bro. (laughs) From the beginning, we learned that Data had all of the memories of these colonists implanted in his brain. It's so Um, weird. Turns out she feels guilty. Because she abandoned her son with, like, some family friends to advance her career. Yeah. Uh, so she could go do science. So, you know, to the Star Trek writer, she's a bad woman. She certainly um, wants to talk about it a lot. She asked Data, like, yeah. nine times. Would he be proud of me? Is he yeah. mad well, at me that I left him? Exactly. Well, Data says, yeah, don't worry about it. He was proud of you. Uh, it's all over his fucking journals. Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, he was a real hack. He did them all in letters to nobody format. <laughs> That's right. Um, least my letters are to a real person who would like to disassemble me. They get called to the bridge to listen to a radio call from a ship called the Callisto that's being attacked by the crystalline entity. Uh, they When they reach the Callisto, Riker beams over, as expected, no organic matter. 
Uh, and then Mar tells Data in the turbo lift that, and I want to be clear, she t- first she tells him she's been real comfortable talking to him since she apologized, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then she tells him, so I don't mind telling you that the screams of the men on the Calisco uh, reminded her of her son's death. Yeah, she's, um, she's, I think, barely hanging on at this point. Yeah, she's already 99% of the way to having lost it. Yeah. Uh, Riker storms into Picard's ready room and says, maybe she's right. Maybe we should blow it up. And Picard thinks that it's Riker's feelings for Carmen bubbling up. He says, no, I'm a pro. I've lost people before, but I don't want any more deaths on my conscience. Uh, this is the only token effort for anybody to hold this opinion aside from Mar. Right. Uh, because later they will all be very shocked. I mean, they'll be shocked in the way that they are on TV where no one really does a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of yes. Dr. Marr. Doctor. Dr. Uh, Marr. And there's like, yeah, exactly. it's pretty clear what's happening, guys. Somebody jump into action. Uh, Marr and Data work on a program for controlling the gra- graviton pulses from the bridge. And she asks Data, unprompted, don't know how she learned this about him, mm-hmm. to talk to her in her son Rennie's voice. <laughs> totally a normal request if you made a new friend a science friend maybe wouldn't you ask them to do their cool mimic skills you know to make you feel better about your life choices Uh Hmm. she if she had said hey this might be a bad idea but (laughs) could you i would that would be much better but no she's just like hey i read in your fucking dossier that i have access to for some reason Dude. That you can mimic voices. It was in a section called Takeover of the Enterprise. <laughs> I'm really surprised he didn't do his normal thing and go, perhaps I can bring your son to you and just go down to the holodeck and push fucking six buttons and then have uh-huh. the boy just appear there and read from yeah, his no. fucking journals. Nah, instead they just had Brent Spiner lip sync to a recording of a teenager. So creepy. Well, he starts reading one of this kid's journal letters and it's all... Mom, I miss you this, an archaeological trip to the mountains that. You know what all the cool teenagers are doing. It busts her open. It just leaves her in tears. The ship approaches the cluster. Mars starts sending out the graviton pulse like a beacon. And sure enough, the crystalline entity approaches. They start playing with the frequency. It starts responding in kind. The possibility of communicating with it really lights up Picard. Uh, Mars Mar says, let me try a continuous beam. The entity doesn't like this beam. Yeah. Picard orders her to return to the intermittent signal. But Mar just stands and watches as the crystalline entity begins to shake and resonate. She tells Data, I did it all for you, Rennie. And uh, Data somehow can't stop the beam. And yep. the crystalline entity breaks into a million pieces. Yeah. Picard has Mar escorted to her quarters where she asks Data to tell her in Rennie's voice that he understands why she did it. And Data says that he doesn't think Rennie would be pleased with what she's done. No. He thinks he would be sad now. The end. (laughs) It was so wild. It was wild. More wild than I remembered, actually. I thought this was going to be very dull, but I had a lot to say about this. Um, But let's start with the take here. Uh... Okay, so this episode... Okay, it, which TOS episode does this remind you of? Ooh. Because what I think we've got is a mysterious, faceless force 
ripping its way through the galaxy that uh-huh. made somebody lose some stuff, maybe a Commodore. And uh-huh. They went batshit, and now we got to deal with the fallout from that. I think this is the doomsday, yeah, this is the doomsday machine. machine, but um, just done a little bit different. Because we got this crystalline entity that's an unstoppable killing machine that roams throughout the galaxy just eating up planets, nom nom nom. And we got <laughs> this lady who lost her son and now is absolutely a fucking wreck and is determined to get super revenge on this fucking entity or whatever. And then it just plays uh-huh. out a little bit different. Um, so I have sort of a similar take to what I had in that, which is that loss leads to some wild fucking behavior and people who lose big can spin out pretty bad. I'm not sure it's anything, you know, like it's either it's wrong because it fucking depends or it's a big who cares. (laughs) Like, I know it's not great when you lose your son to the crystal form. Um, so I gave it a two. Um, okay. So alternately, this is Moby Dick. Sure. Uh, focus on revenge and you will destroy yourself. Uh, her career is trash now, and also thanks to Data's memories, now she knows her son would be sad about it. <laughs> also, she's probably going to jail, right? Oh, uh, well, For boy. taking over a starship system and locking the crew out? I'd like to think so, but does anyone go to jail? I don't know how it works. What did TP do to end up there? It's crazy. Because, like... Uh, he launched time- a missile attack on a... <laughs> he launched a missile attack on the... The powers, the oxygen generating system of an alien world. Wait, is that what he did? That's how he got into jail. Oh, you mean the first time? No, I thought you were talking about last week when he starts in jail. (laughs) No, no, last time. When Janeway sent him to jail? We saw what he did last week. I mean, how did, when they found him in that prison camp, like what? I don't even remember his backstory because I think he was pretty Uh, vague, but like. He had joined the Maquis, right? Is that really it that got him there? But you can do all this shit. No one goes to jail in Starfleet. We just talked about how no one is going to get in trouble for that shit on Risa, for sure. So I, I hope this lady goes to jail. And I hope Data's right that it ruins her career, but I don't know, maybe she'll just be a strongly worded letter. Who knows? What did he do? Refind his backstory, because I what I remember from the pilot is just a lot of, you don't want to hang around with guys like me, Harry. Gosh. Ah, oh, jeez, Harry. <laughs> His career in Starfleet was short-lived and ended after he was involved in covering up his own pilot error, which led to the death of three fellow officers at Caldic Prime. Oh, hey, man. So, hey, that's Nick Lacarno again. This guy's the pilot? They wanted this guy to be the pilot? The guy who covered Uh up his own piloting error that led to people's deaths? Then after being expelled from Starfleet... He wandered around looking for a fight and found it working as a mercenary for the Maquis. He was captured on his first mission, convicted of treason, and sentenced to 18 months imprisonment at the Federal Federation Penal Settlement in New Zealand. 18 months for treason, huh? I'm not peeing, by the way. I'm pouring out of I'm pouring some fizzy water into a glass. I don't care. Piss it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, 18 months doesn't sound like a lot for treason. But again, remember what the, how high the barrier to entry to Federation prisons is. You just, you yeah, that is true. You got to do a lot. So I don't know. Maybe she won't go to jail. Uh, Okay, so A, you could just read Moby Dick, I guess. There is a long part in the middle that's just here's where we are with whale science, and it's all wrong, but still. Well, yes, when it was written, you know, 
I think everyone just made uh, up whatever I, they wanted and put it in books. And uh, vengeance is something that everyone seems to love, even though we know we shouldn't. So I'm not mad at the at basically doing a Moby Dick once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it as many as six. Okay. Am I wrong that Moby Dick was named after a real life whale named Mocha Dick? N- you are correct. Because it used to swim around the Mocha Islands, and they just thought Dick was a cool name for a whale. <laughs> Something like that, like, yeah. He just looks like a dick to me, like, you know, like a Richard. Call him Mocha Dick. Dick um, is just a very satisfying thing to say, and it has meant 150 different things in its long life. Right. Um. All right, execution then. This is not a fast-paced episode. Uh, it seems like the writers assume we're going to be on Picard's side from the jump, so they don't give him convincing speeches. Instead, they really focus on the emotional damage done to this scientist by the death of her son 30 years ago. Yeah. Even after she reveals that she thinks it should be destroyed, Picard doesn't do anything, doesn't ever talk to Counselor Troy, doesn't ask Data to double-check her work. Yeah, Troy's in this a couple of times, and I could not help but feel she dropped the fucking ball. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the episode focuses on Mars' grief, but it seems like no one on the ship is even aware of it somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe Troy kept telling Picard she was unhinged the whole time and we just never saw it, because that's his brand of tough love now. But, like, it, it really does seem like... You know, she went crazy and she killed a maybe a unique life form in the galaxy, but also the Enterprise crew really let her down. Yeah. They were, she was going through a thing and no one was helpful. Well, Data was her weird toy. Yeah, but I don't know that that was helpful. (laughs) No, maybe not. I would not describe it as helpful. Given where they ended up on the bridge with her putting her hand on him and saying, Aren't you proud of mommy? Probably not. I only gave it a three for execution. It didn't make uh, any of the wild directorial or filmmaking errors that some of these shows make, but Mm. there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot to like about it. I felt. Yeah, um, I'm I'm close. I'm a four. Um, This lady just vacillated between one kind of suck and another kind of suck the whole episode, but it was clear from the start that she sucks. I didn't have a lot of specific complaints about the episode. Um, if I do, they're really like world building related. Like, how does Data have other people's memories? And like, uh-huh. why does the crystalline entity's beams go so damn slow? <laughs> Stuff like that. Like, can we talk more about? Let's talk more about like the Federation's colonization policies or something. Like, can we just get some more business in here? Um, otherwise, it. Uh, it is just the story of this lady who suffered a bad loss and went off the fucking deep end. It has almost nothing to do with our friends, the TNG crew. So it's not of great interest. Like, Data's in it, but it's not about Data. No. So. He doesn't seem to learn anything. It's not just one where, like, it's about the guest character, but, like, no one no one else's shit is in it. Even Riker, who has a lady die in the teaser, just comes back for that one conversation later in the episode where he's like, maybe we should kill it. And then Picard diagnoses his shit. Um, 
so I didn't. I actually thought it was fine to watch. I didn't have any problems with it. I just it's if it's not even about the TNG people, it's never really going to rate that high. So. Uh, a world building. Yeah, let's have it. Colony shit. Um, the Enterprise dropped off a few dudes and then just like flew away. I don't know when they were supposed to go back. It's not clear how long Riker and uh, Crusher and Data and whoever were going to be staying there. Also, did they beam down with like tents and shit too? Because this place is not, there's no hotel. They ain't set up yet. It's like, uh, it's like uh, in your Dead Man Apgar where Riker's just like, so we're staying the night. And everyone's like, what? This is a science room. All these rooms are for science, except for this lady's sanctuary. Um, yeah, I guess what it's really like is uh, it's like when you set up your island on uh, Animal Crossing. They they probably just stayed in some tents by the beach. Yeah, you have to get you have to get five things, twenty things donated to the museum before it becomes a building and not a tent. Right. I imagine everything that was going to happen on that planet was going to play out like Animal Crossing. Um, how the crystalline entity eats life to make energy. Um, hey, I got a question, and it's a question that's bothered me for probably about 20 years. Okay. Who made the stairs in this cavern? Hey. Where the stairs come from? No one yep. even knows this cavern exists until Data says, I'm detecting a cavern, like, however uh-huh. far away over there. And they get in there, and there's just lots of stairs. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I remember, you know, like, they don't question it at all when (laughs) my last watch before we started doing this project, I was incensed. And I remembered (laughs) then that I had previously had this objection. Where are the stairs coming from? You cannot watch caves and Star Trek because it's, (laughs) it's very, the stairs are very distracting. I'm sure they're, they have to be there for OSHA reasons or whatever. (laughs) Right. But like, Even a in ramp would the be better. Final mission. If you just like had a gradual kind of ramp down, you'd be like, ah, oh, right. that's just how it worked in that cave, whatever. But stairs. Sure. <laughs> yeah, final mission. In same the one. final mission, they show up. There's a bunch of stairs. No one says dick about it. The uh, Durgo drops his Drisky down the stairs and they clatter down the stairs and Picard picks it up, right? No one says, huh, what's up with these stairs? Yeah. Now, later they also find a lot of other evidence yes. that. That cave had been pre- had previously been inhabited. There's However, a magic fountain and corpses, so at least something's in there. Yeah, like there isn't definitely a minute where they should be like, uh, "This is man-made." <laughs> yeah. Well, same with this one. A lot of stairs. Um. Uh, the Calisco, I guess, was a ship from Boreal Three. Don't know nothing about them. Yeah, we never see these guys. We don't know what they looked like. Yeah. All the cool kids in Remy's time. Went on archaeological digs with their friends. Fuck yeah, bro. Yeah. This kid was a nerd. The crystalline entity dances and sings when they pulse at it just right. Hey, um, is the crystalline entity made out of M80s? <laughs> Why were there so many cool fireworks when it shattered? It's a real good question. So many fireworks. There's so much fire in space. It's, it's weird. It's insane. I was like, where's the fire coming from? Just like those fucking stairs. Anyway, a, uh, a two for me. Uh, I also have it as a two. Dry chicken curry rations. 
11 previous known attacks with the crystalline entity with no known survivors. Graviton pulses and crystal resonance. Uh, Also the death of the crystalline entity, so we won't be seeing that dude no more, although there could be more than one. I don't think anyone at any point goes, there could be more than one. No, they don't really talk about it. No. Uh, you know, enough for a two, because there's a lot of stuff that's tied up with Data's origins here, but really, it's not a world-building episode. Agreed. Uh, characterization. This isn't really an episode about any of our characters. No. But everyone sort of plays their normal role here. Picard's an explorer, he wants to make first contact, he's pretty disappointed in Riker and Mar. Sure. Riker and Picard don't get along too good these days, huh? No, no, I swear to God, the minute Data revealed those Romulans, he was like, I got a new number one. It's only a matter of time till I <laughs> offload this fucking guy and I promote Data to the real first officer role, which is what he's doing for me anyway. Um. Also, his usual attitude to a personnel conflict is tough shit, so of course he throws Data and Mar together. Uh-huh. Uh, Troy told him it was a bad idea and he should have listened. Yeah. Uh, this week, Data can make a determination that someone would have been sad because <laughs> it has he has to be able to in order to destroy Mar utterly. It's, it's very cold. Uh, Riker is not a patient man and he doesn't care much about wiping out this thing. Again, it's not a character story. But there's nothing really new here. Um, so I gave it a, a four and I could see a three. Yeah, I gave it a four, so. Um, again, how long they've been hanging out here that Riker's already either nailing this chick or about to be nailing this chick? Like, seriously, how long they've been on this planet? Because she still calls him Riker. Uh, Yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. what he likes or what, but, like, they are clearly <laughs> not on a first name basis for whatever reason. Uh, then Riker's dick is vengeful and he wants to kill the entity too. And he doesn't like being called out for it. No. When Picard gets mad at him, he looks very grouchy about it. Do you think that when he went on board that spaceship, he saw a picture of a hot alien and he was mad that he didn't get to meet her? Because (laughs) it's really after that second attack that he's like, maybe we should kill it. Yeah, maybe he was looking through the fucking manifest of the Calisco and he's like, this cannot stand. Aw, she looked down? Hot She looked down! Fucking trim, and I didn't get it. Hey, do you suppose after he walked out of that room, he complained loudly on the bridge about cancel culture having gone too far? Yeah, definitely. Picard got mad at him. Uh, Picard hates this lady's murder spirit. He wants to communicate with the entity. He learned some cool shit a couple of weeks ago from his buddy Dathan. He's going to try a cool gambit. (laughs) He just needs a bigger, (laughs) scarier monster than the crystal form to make it work. He's got to find a Borg cube. Maybe they can find that bugle in space again and just give that thing a go. <laughs> uh, Data plays the guitar, too, for whatever that's worth. Um, we saw it in Data Lore, but he has all these people's journals and shit in his brain. But he treats all their journals as, like, his knowledge to do with as he pleases. Just telling <laughs> uh-huh. everybody's shit to everybody. <laughs> yep. Just like, oh, you want to see what's in his journal? Yeah, I can tell you that. I don't care. He's dead. What does he care? Um, but also apparently not telling anybody about this cool trick for tracking the crystalline entity that he learned from someone else's journal yeah. in there, huh? Hey, Data, there have been like a million attacks. You never passed this information along to some The number one crystalline entity expert never heard of this method before. Asshole. 
uh, Data does not indulge this lady in the end, so that's good. But he's so fucking cold the way he thinks mm -hmm. and reconsiders it and goes, yeah, he definitely would never call you again. He would definitely <laughs> talk shit about you to the rest of the family. Yes, I believe he would fucking hate you. You're just like, wow, he came back for like three rounds on that. Yeah, again, we had to be sure that this woman was personally destroyed as well. And he says that her career is over. I don't know whether that would be true necessarily in Starfleet, but I do get the feeling she's going to make an attempt on her own life now. For sure. <laughs> That's He thought he got the signal from Picard when <laughs> Picard said, uh, all right, you can escort her to her quarters, but don't let her out of your sight. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, Picard thinks she's going to kill him, kill herself. Oh, Picard wants me to let her kill her. So. <laughs> O'Brien right. told me about this. That's right. And then I'll just call O'Brien. I know the whole procedure now. <laughs> He'll clean it up for me. Now that I'm going to be the new first officer, I got to get on board <laughs> with this. Uh, yeah, so the four for me. Um, quick ones. Riker tells her, <laughs> in the beginning, he tells Carmen, we know what this is, but like, How's that going <laughs> to stop the thing, Billy Boy? Nope. You can't just say, I know what it is. That's not helpful. You need to know how to stop it. But he thinks that's going to be very reassuring to her. Uh, we know what this is, but we do definitely have to run full speed into these caves. Um, did, um, did Data and Riker think that the crystalline entity came down to the planet's surface to kick in those rocks? <laughs> they definitely... Hide behind a corner and point their phasers at the rocks. What are they going to do with those phasers? It's a mile tall snowflake. Well, they don't know that the crystalline entity isn't a troop transport that carries a bunch of crystalline <laughs> soldiers that can get through the door. I guess they don't know. To be fair, I guess they don't know uh, that. Technically, we don't know it either. It doesn't seem like it's MO. But. Yeah, they don't know that for a fact, for sure. So I guess they had to play it safe and point their phasers at the rocks. <clears throat> Everything in that cave was wild. Uh, again, Dr. Mar dresses like a lady trapped in a cult for 20 years. Um, <laughs> is Data a person or not, lady? First she calls him your android, but then talk about his brother. Hey, mach yep. Machines don't have family. Yep. She needs to get her shit straight. Uh, but it's fine. I know she never gets her shit straight. It's fine. Um... What does this lady think Data's hot plan is? He's a highly decorated officer with all the medals and awards. He doesn't get any energy from the things the crystalline entity eats. So, like, what's he supposed to be getting out of a partnership with the big flake? <laughs> uh -huh. Exactly. Like, what's the end game? Well, she thinks he's mostly made out of crystals and he has <laughs> some kind of natural kinship with it. They're crystal allies. Uh, I recognize that Zabalian transport anywhere. Yep. Marjan said this lady this episode would end with the lady kidnapping Data and making him her new son, and I thought I would rather see that ending. <laughs> Be creepy though. Um This lady kept bragging about being good at computers, and it was not idle boasting. No, she was able to lock data out. She locks data out, Jordy can't do shit. He's like, I mean I can like fucking work around her, but it's gonna take me a while. Um, so she, um, she was the real deal. What do you think would have happened if Picard had just, uh, had the ship turn 15 degrees to the right? 
<laughs> yeah. That, where's that pulse coming out of? The deflector dish? Yeah, maybe. Does it have auto-aim like the phaser array does? Uh, even if it does, it certainly can't track 180 degrees, right? Yeah, that's true. I would have put us in spin mode for like, sure. There's got to be a physical limitation. No one thought of it. No. No, they all just stand around saying her name over and over again. Yep. As she creepily puts her hand on Data and talks to her son. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, you already brought this up, but yep. Another cavern with man-made steps that no one finds remotely interesting. No. Hey, Riker. Hey, buddy. Making the rocks glow red is a real bad way to light the cavern, unless you want to cook everyone. <laughs> and they do. They get very hot and sweaty, for sure. Yeah. Do you suppose these colonists were just getting weaker and weaker and passing out, and Riker kept shouting, more light, and shooting the walls? Or <laughs> They're passing out from lack of light! Did um, did the people of Omicron Theta give Nuni and Soong their journals for his big Teddy Ruxpin? It's a very good question because we know he escaped out the back door when that thing came. He didn't have time to put them in his brain. Yeah, did he? Uh, did he steal them? I think he stole. Was them. he hacking everybody's shit? Well, in advance, he had all of their journals for sure. Oh, they were all in lore, also. Oh, so. That's so bad. Dr. Marr, the sperm whale, consumes millions of cuttlefish, which I mention only for the slow thinkers who don't know we're doing a Moby Dick this week. Yep. Uh, Picard seems to assume that Riker knew Carmen well enough to write a letter to her family, whereas I think a much safer assumption is that we actually see their first meeting in the teaser, yep. and Riker just asks her to have dinner with him right away because he's not very professional. It's what he always does in front of Riker and fucking the computer and... Fuck it, that character that Picard played on the holodeck and everybody. More than we know. <laughs> well, the heads and legs and arms come together and cry, We died in such a place! <laughs> that guy saw Riker hit on all the ladies on Enterprise. Yeah, I assume so. Uh, everyone is so used to Picard's orders being followed that they just stand by waiting for Mar to turn off the beam with their molars drying out again. <laughs> exactly right. I couldn't believe how slow they were. It's a solid 30 seconds where no one did anything. Just standing there looking at her like, she's going to turn it off, though. I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> uh, best actor to, I don't know, Jordy or Dr. Crusher. Somebody who just did their normal lines this week. That's, you know, usually fine. <laughs> yeah, Jordy was worst fine. <laughs> actor, worst actor to either Guitar Data or Rennie Data. I don't care which. Pick one. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> Numbers right. are in. We did it. We did it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last place this week with 12 points is Deep Space Nine. Let he who is without sin. I gave it seven. You gave it five. It's a bad that's, score. That's rough. And they've had two bad uh, ones in a row. And I, it's like they, it's like they don't even want to win this great competition. <laughs> They're letting TNG pull away. Voyager second place, uh, 24 points. Um, Frankly, if I had liked it a little more, maybe if I hadn't blanked it on character, uh, <laughs> this one actually, this had a shot at being Voyager's fourth win because yeah, the, the rare, winner this week. The rare situation of us having our winners flipped, so. Yeah, that almost never happens. Uh, the winner this week uh, with 27 points was Silicon Avatar. Bad winner. Uh, 27 points is extremely poor. The all-time lowest winner is only 25, so. Yeah. Uh. 
I this mean, was dragging down the average. It's bound to happen with only three episodes per week. We might have some where there just isn't a good one in there, but it's not yeah, like really. TOS and Enterprise. We're bringing a lot of good episodes. So Right. But through the first 102 weeks, the average winning score was 40 points. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 27 is uh, quite bad. Yeah. Um, we had a 40 in week 100 with Redemption and in week 99 with Redemption. But before that, it had been like another four or five weeks when it was the drumhead. So only TNG is even cracking 40 anymore and not that often. Yeah. Uh, again, before that, the last one was First Contact, also TNG. Uh, to go back to a non-TNG hitting 40, I think you have to go all the way to week 86 when Observer Effect, of the, mm-hmm. an episode of Enterprise, Where we each, surprisingly, we hit 40. Each gave it a fat 20. Yeah. But yeah, it's mostly, it's TNG every once in a while, but we really don't see that many 40s anymore. I mean, Ensign Row last week was a 39. There's not really much difference there, right? But like, it's pretty rare. Uh, But yeah, 27 for Silicon Avatar this week. Um, But that is TNG's 41st win. They're back up to eight ahead of Deep Space Nine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll see what happens next week when, uh, when we're watching Disaster. Marjan's favorite episode. Uh, I find it hard to imagine that there's a big take in disaster. Yeah, uh, if I have a feeling one, it's, it's going to be plot driven. If there is one, it's got to be from the bridge, right? It's got to be the plot with Roe and Troy. Yeah, I would think so. Fighting over who's in charge on the bridge because there ain't shit happening in that turbo shaft with those kids, or in engineering with Data's head. <laughs> God, I forgot about Data's head. Yeah, C plot. Uh, maybe D plot because there's also one with Worf given uh, getting Keiko's baby out. So, yeah, C or D plot. Deep Space Nine. How excited are you when I say the words "things past"? Well, I I always have to do the descriptions for DS Nine, so I know that's on me, and I'm not excited. Yeah, it doesn't seem great, right? Let's not invoke the past. Nope. But you also get to do Voyager next time, uh-huh. and. The episode of Voyager we're watching is called Latent Image. So it's also talking about the past, I assume? Mm, Just two episodes about the past? We're going to have to do two flashbacks or time travels or some stupid nonsense? That's what you should should watch if you're playing along. That's what's going to be in week 104. Uh, That'll be in two weeks. Next week is a mailbag. Um, Also, probably more state flags. Oh, it's got to be. We got three more pieces of that bracket before we're done with the first round. Yeah. Uh, has um, has uh, Barry give, given us his winner on that one? Uh, he has okay, cool. given us his winner in an audio file that I haven't listened to yet. So there may be the return of a particular bagpipe-based segment. Be under the bee? Barry under the blanket? Could. <laughs> yes, could be. <laughs> I'm excited. I can't wait. All right, well, good. Next week sounds like it'll be fun, but it will be a mailbag if there's mail in it, so send us mail. Uh, I assume Ryan has, but everyone else send us mail, too. That's uh, at BrotherDate on the Twitter machine, brothersofbrotherdate.com for the email. Um, You can go to the website, check out the flags and all that business. Check out Landry. He's so big. He grows every day. He's like... (sighs) It's a real challenge for a, a web browser to open now. I'm really proud of him. He's just like, he's my bundle of joy. And in fact, my real life son's going to have a lot to live up to for sure. <laughs> I'm just going to point well, at the spreadsheet. Cho- 
so far it seems like you don't want to name him Landrew, which is odd. (laughs) I'm going to point at the spreadsheet all the time and ask him why he can't do this. Um, (laughs) That's good, because he'll be six by the time we're done with this project. (laughs) He'll be an old fucking man. It'll never end. Uh, Everybody, the podcatchers, do you guys use those? Or you just go straight to iTunes like suckers? Use a podcatcher. It's better, and they'll catch this pod. Whether you got the iTunes or you got Bing Podcasts or any of the good podcast programs. Um, all right, everybody. That's it. That's the whole show. We did the show. There was no Ben. Tell us whether you like it better with Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Why invite something that could hurt either our feelings or Ben's feelings? <laughs> it's the only... It's the only way we're going to get any drama on the show. That's it, man. As you believe. So shall you do. So shall you do. As you believe. So shall you do. So shall you do. Do. I said it last. I'm very, like, when they take one of those space daggers that Zulu fears so much and just, like, drop it on (laughs) Voyager's fucking dead corpse after they shot it 500 times and be like, it had a knife.